The last thing each day is to set an alarm for the first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on 760 WJR. All right, so we made it through the overnight storms, probably because there were none. There were none, but tonight might be a different story. Yeah, and I mean, I I, I can't get these weather forecasts straight. There's still weather forecasts saying that there's going to be bad weather throughout the day. I just saw on Channel 4 that we might be getting some some rain here and there throughout the day, but the real threat of severe weather is going to be overnight tonight. Right. Uh, it's going to be... Possibly tornadoes. Yeah, um, here and then especially in other parts of the country. Right, right. Um, so uh, ho- hopefully that does not come to fruition. It sounds like it's something that's a possibility, foretold is forewarned, but I ho- hopefully that's not a legitimate threat. Uh, but it's going to be up to close to 70 today. Yeah, record-breaking. And then we might be getting snow later on this week. Sure, Michigan. I-, I love you, Michigan, but I hate I hate it here sometimes. This is when everybody gets sick. Right, Exactly. Um, yeah, if you've if you've made it this far through winter without getting cold, well, well, hold on because. <laughs> but wait, there's more. It's funny. Every state says if you don't like the weather, wait a few minutes. But but it really does apply here. It really does. Um, so yeah, just be uh be be on the lookout. Have your uh make sure your phone if you get those tornado alerts on it, make sure it's uh you know the volume is up. Right. Because uh, remember there was like seven tornadoes last August. Yeah, that's right. I slept through all of that, and that was terrifying. <laughs> it was terrifying. Oh when my you, gosh! I know because you wake up and you, and 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 you find out there's been seven tornadoes. You you slept through the whole thing. You know, you know, I got lucky. You wake up and it's like an apocalypse outside your house, right? Or what if it hit my house and I slept through the whole thing? That would have been terrible. I feel yeah. like Trudy, your dog, would have woke you up. Yeah, well, that'd be my main concern. Oh, my wife, not it, your wife. Oh, okay. my wife, my wife, my dog. And then, and then, and then myself. Oh, because you're so I'm, noble. I'm such a selfless person. <laughs> oh, by the way, it is primary day here in Michigan. Biden versus uncommitted. The GOP versus itself. Polls open at 7 a.m. They close at 8. Um, so far, 78,000 people have voted early. I, it'll be interesting to see how many people vote in person today. Yeah, my mom's actually working the polls, and we were discussing that. And uh, she said, eh, I'll, I'll be your gauge. I'll let you know if it felt lighter or not. Yeah, I, I was going to say, if we're on after 7 o'clock, we could we could have checked in with yeah. her. Good for her. Speaking of noble, that's a noble job. I, You know, my I'd like to say that's what it is. It's just another reason for my mom to interact and be social. Aww. She is the social butterfly. <laughs> Yeah, if you're, but yes, good on her. Uh, you know, a side note, if you're going to the polls and you see Renee's mom, do not tell her you like Olive Garden. <laughs> That's a story. It's okay, Mike. She's accepted you for that That's one. That's a story for another day. Well, okay, so 140 delegates are up for gra- grabs on the delegate side, on the Democrat side. Only 16 of Michigan's 55 delegates will be rewarded uh, at the polls today. The rest will be at one of the conventions on March 2nd, but... Um, there are two, so I don't really know which one's the official one, the Christina Caramo convention in Detroit or the Pete Hoekstra one in Grand Rapids. But either way, Trump will win both, so it won't be a question. It doesn't even matter. This is ridiculous anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, could you imagine if this race was close, what a mess that would oh, be? Oh, yeah. Um, Nikki Haley, she lost a big-name donor, donor, Americans for Prosperity. That's an organization funded by the uh, infamous billionaire Koch brothers, 
They've pulled their funding be, uh, after she lost the South Carolina primary. So let's see what happens later on this week. It seems like she's just trying to get to Super Tuesday. So she could say she made it to Super Tuesday. It's like a personal goal, a milestone for her. Yeah. And like I said, she has a point that there's still a bunch of states that that haven't voted, but it feels like a foregone conclusion. Uh, Yesterday, uh, there was a a threat emailed to the Oxford School District as if they haven't been through enough. I know. It sparked an investigation and sent students home early. School officials said that they did receive an email shortly after 7 a.m. on Monday from an unknown person who claimed to have a bomb inside a car in the parking lot. The emailer threatened to detonate the bomb. School officials called the Oakland County Sheriff's Office. Deputies went to the school with explosive-sniffing dogs. Police closed access to the building and the parking lot. Nobody was allowed to enter or exit deputies and canine units determined that there was no credible threat. Out of caution, though, they did do a sweep of the area. They didn't find any explosives, and students were dismissed at 11 a.m. Computer crime experts traced the email to Malaysia. Yeah. Now that this threat's been discredited, uh, police are going to try to figure out its origin. That's that's quite random. Well, I, I heard Mike Bouchard talking about this, the Oakland County Sheriff, and he said that you know, what happened in Oxford was so high profile that since the shooting that day, um, you've had sickos like this making more and more threats just because j- just because their names in the news across and, the globe. Yeah, um, I, I think he said since the shooting happened, they they had somebody arrested and prosecuted for making threats from Great Britain. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So it's it, it, it's 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 a terrible uh, it's a terrible mess, and you know, thank God we've got people like uh, Mike Bouchard and his deputies who are on top of things. Correct. Also, um, Oxford families are filing a civil lawsuit against the school district. I'm just going to read Mara McDonald's work from uh, Click on Detroit. The Oxford high school shooter has pled guilty and will never get out of prison. His mother has been convicted of involuntary manslaughter, and now his father is set to go on trial for involuntary manslaughter. The parents of Oxford High School football star Tate Meir, who was killed that terrible day, see this as a four-step process. The fourth step would be seeing the Oxford School District in court for a civil trial, and that is an uphill legal climb because school districts have governmental immunity. Buck Meir says, I didn't want to file a lawsuit. That's not how we roll. What happened after their son was killed changed everything. Mir says the school district put up roadblocks from the get-go and resisted a third-party investigation for more than a year. When an investigation was done, the results found everything that happened could have been prevented, and it was a failure from the top down. And, and uh, I remember Buck Mir was on All Talk the day after the Jennifer Crumley mm-hmm. verdict came down, and and you know he j- just I mean the strength the strength and and wisdom of of that man. He said that you know. The shooter has been held accountable. The mother has been held accountable. The father it will probably be held accountable. Now it's time for the school to be held accountable. And he's not wrong. Yeah. Um, because j- just like they said, um, the independent report said that everything that they could have been prevented if, ever, if, if a few people would have just done a little bit more. Right. And since then, they've the school district has been more concerned with their legal vulnerability than actually uh, helping the the students and the community parents every day trust that their schools are going to protect their kids when they're not with them right that it's that did not happen that day exactly 
Um, the Palestinian Authority's entire government resigned Monday due to pressure from the United States to make big changes in the Israeli-occupied West Bank. The U.S. has also indicated a desire for one Palestinian government to control both the West Bank and Gaza Strip. This happened as U.S., Israel, Qatari, and Egyptian officials are engaged in another round of talks in the region to draft another ceasefire hostage exchange proposal to present to Hamas. Uh, President Biden, he was out getting ice cream or something with Seth Meyers and somebody asked him about it and he said he hopes to see an agreement by next week. I don't know if they were filming something for his show, but on the news, someone asked Joe Biden, he's sitting there with an ice cream cone. It, it almost looked like he was holding it like a microphone, didn't it? It sounds like some weird dream I had. I was out and I was watching the news and uh, President Biden was talking about Israel. He's getting ice cream with that guy uh, who's beyond weekend update. <laughs> That is very random. So back here at home, President Biden is meeting with congressional leaders to try to avert a government shutdown. This would be a two-part shutdown if Congress doesn't pass something. One-third of the government, they would shut down this Friday, March 1st. The rest would shut down March 8th. Uh, at this point, it's just background noise to me. Wake me up when they pass another three months. Right. Stop. Here yep. we go again. And uh, that active duty airman who sent himself on fire has died. Yep. He set himself outside uh, on fire outside the Israel embassy in D.C. Uh, while declaring that he will no longer be complicit in genocide. The 25-year-old airman Aaron Bushnell of San Antonio, Texas, died from his injuries. Uh, he had walked up to the embassy shortly before 1 p.m. on Sunday, began live streaming the incident on the video streaming platform Twitch. Uh, fortunately, that video was later removed from the platform. Yeah, and they and I've seen screenshots, and, and they showed a little bit of what they could on the news. It was very, uh, it was very, very chilling video. It's first thing Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And Guy is still off. We're joined in studio by Lloyd Jackson and Jamie Edmonds heading into JR Morning. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Now, you know, I'm not a company man. I'm a bit of a renegade if I do say so myself. But <laughs> I do want to brag on our station over the last two days. I mean, you want primary coverage. Yesterday, all talk had Nikki Haley. Yeah. Um, Chris Renwick is going to have Donald Trump on today at 2. Stop it. JR Morning, we're, we have two of the biggest uh, elected state officials. We've got both Governor Gretchen Whitmer and Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson. And right now on the other end of our line, we have top Democrat candidate uncommitted. Good morning. Why <laughs> <laughs> did I look at each other? Who is like, on the okay, phone? Who's on the phone? <laughs> Who does he have? <laughs> well, look, guy's not here, so I got to make sure I'm in charge of the dad jokes okay. until he's back. All right, all right, good job. You but, did him uh, proud. Yes, thank you. You can tell I rehearsed that. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I love, I love election day. Um, Seventy-eight thousand people have already voted early. It'll be interesting to see who. Um, you know how many people vote today, but other than that, not a whole lot of suspense and intrigue in uh, in today's primary. No, I think most of it is the fact that you're going to have a lot of people who say they're going to vote uncommitted. Yep. And then you have people who say uh, we're going to, uh, if they're Democrat, they're going to vote Republican for Nikki Haley uh, to try to uh, weaken Donald Trump. Uh, you have that going on as well. So uh, as far as the, the primary itself, those are the... I guess the most exciting parts out of what's going on today. Yeah. Sideshows. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm interested to see how much uncommitted gets. Do you guys like the state, uh, the straight ticket voting when it comes to primaries? I don't. No. No. 
No. Yeah, I'm not I like a fan to make my choices. Exactly. Right? Me too. And, and the thing is, it's very important to to note that if you if if you get a straight ticket ballot today, which there's there's no other choice during the primary. If if you vote for someone from the other party, it completely develop. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Like I like, like Lloyd said, I'm interested to see um, how uncommitted does, mm-hmm. and uh, if you know if if that rings even more alarm bells for the Biden administration. All right. On to more important things. Um, Wendy's is toying with the idea of introducing surge pricing like Uber. You know, you, you get you call for an Uber. When it's busy, it's more expensive. Okay. Uh, on off-peak times, it's less expensive. Um, they said on a earnings call the other day that they're investing $20 million in digital menu boards to be able to update its prices at a moment's notice. What? So, so a wow. hamburger is going to be more expensive at dinner time than it is at like uh, you know three thirty in the afternoon and lunchtime. I guess you know when everybody's going to Wendy's for lunch. Yeah, what about after bar time. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's another wow. good time. Right. And that's probably the best because you know when you're in that state of mind, you just want your hamburger. You will pay anything, right? Well, you know, uh, White Castle will get in on this because you know. <laughs> <laughs> Taco Bell, right. Taco yeah. Bell, that's right. Well, like, we have to make sure this fails. I hate this the idea. Be a trend. No, I right. I hate the idea of dinette unless unless somehow it makes your hamburger cheaper, right? But we know that's not going to happen. Oh, no. No, no, absolutely not. And um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's. I love I, I love Wendy's, but I don't know if I can I don't know if I can still eat there with this because I like Jamie said we cannot let this become a trend. Well, what if you forget to uh, you know take the prices back down? <laughs> what if it's a oh. long line and you're in line thinking you're paying one price, but exactly. then you get there and surge pricing's kicked in? There you go. Right? Yeah, yeah right. It's like five dollars. It's like five dollars, and then the next minute, it's like seven dollars. Right? Yeah. So I think this is bad idea for Wendy's. Terrible. Because people like Mike might be like, I'm out. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, just keep keep the dollar menu the dollar menu, and don't make it the dollar menu sometimes two fifty menu. Well, unless other you know places follow suit, and I, then it gets like you said, and then it gets uh, you right. know kind of rough there. Right, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, um, dynamic pricing can allow Wendy's to be competitive and flexible. And enhance both the customer and crew experience. Uh-uh. No, no customer crew experience. experience. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, JR Morning coming up. All right. So we stayed dry overnight. The latest forecast says that uh, we may see some pop-up showers throughout the day. Uh, but it, it really looks like as of right now, the severe weather that we've been uh, kind of looking at, um, it, it, our best chance is going to be from midnight to 3 uh, uh, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Yeah, it keeps changing because we heard there was going to be thunderstorms this morning. Now mm-hmm. they're like, eh, spotty, isolated. Yeah, and and, and some places uh, that that you look online still has that. I just watched. Uh, we just watched uh, the the forecast on local four. Possibly three inch hail. Was it three inch or two? Two. two okay. Well, that still could do a lot of damage. Typical so, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's shrinkage. Anyway, um, <laughs> this is a serious news program, Renee. Uh, <laughs> Biden versus uncommitted. The GOP versus itself. It's primary day here in Michigan. Polls open at 7, close at 8. 140 delegates are up for grabs on the Democrat side. 
Only 16 of Michigan's 55 delegates will be awarded on the Republican side at the polls today. The rest will be awarded at one of the two conventions that uh, is going to happen over the weekend. Uh, the GOP are going to be holding dueling conventions. Christina Cramo is going to have hers in Detroit. The Pete Hoekstra ring is going to have theirs in Grand Rapids. The Palestinian authorities president and their entire government resigned Monday due to pressure from the United States to make big changes in the Israeli occupied West Bank. The U.S. has also indicated a desire for one Palestinian government to control both the West Bank and Gaza. President Biden said yesterday that he hopes to see a ceasefire hostage agreement sometime next week. Uh, Back here, he's going to be meeting with congressional leaders to try to avert another government shutdown. The first Uh, The first part of that government shutdown of nothing is passed will happen on March 1st. The rest uh, will happen on March 8th. A uh, hoax yesterday caused quite a scare at Oxford High School. Yep, they received a bomb threat via email yesterday, leading to an immediate investigation and early dismissal of students. The unknown sender claimed to have a bomb in a car in the school's parking lot. The Oakland County Sheriff's Office was alerted and the school was closed. Although uh, after a search with canine units, no credible threat was found. The origin of the email was traced to Malaysia and further investigations are underway. Meanwhile, the uh, uh, some of the Oxford High School families um, who had children shot during the mass shooting back in 2021, they are uh, filing a civil lawsuit against the school district, partly because a third-party investigation said that um, the incident itself was highly preventable, and then also partly because since it happened, there have been roadblocks put in place uh, for parents to get answers. And yesterday, the Supreme Court, they heard arguments on the constitutionality of two laws, one in Texas, one in Florida, regarding how social media companies moderate their content. Uh, the, the Texas law prohibits social media platforms with 50 million active users or more from blocking or demonetizing content based on the user's view. The Florida law bans social media companies from banning political candidates and requires them to publish standards about who and what they block and apply those standards mm-hmm. consistently. Both laws were enacted in the wake of Donald Trump's Twitter ban following January 6th. The decision is expected uh, sometime this summer. The social media sites said that they are news aggregators. Uh, that means that they should be granted the same editorial discretion as any other news site. Uh, these states are saying that they're a means of communication, such as a telephone, um, and that everything should be open and uncensored to all. I see both sides of it. Honestly, I see Facebook as more of a of a content aggregator, so I would side more on editorial discretion. You do use Facebook as communication, but that's sure. not that's you know that that's not my main means of communication. My main means of communication is texting, you know, phone. I and and to leave Leave it completely unchecked and unmoderated. I mean, what about hate speech? What right. about threats? Right. What about doxing people it, and putting up their address and putting them in danger? Everybody uses it so differently. Yeah. That's the problem. You do get some that use it for communication. You do mm-hmm. get some that use it for news. So it's it's very... The one thing I found interesting is that Brett Kavanaugh, who's obviously a very conservative judge, he even had reservations about states telling private companies what they can and How cannot. run their business. So 
it seems it seems like they're they're um, leaning more towards the Supreme Court. That is, they're leaning more towards editorial discretion. But we'll find out this summer. In a time when many workers have severely cut down on their commute to work by completely working from home or maybe a hybrid work schedule, there's a whole other subgroup on the opposite side of the coin called the super commuters. And on the phone with us is one of them, Kyle Rice, who documented his daily four-state 240-mile round-trip commute on TikTok, which has had over a million views. Good morning, Kyle. So, uh, Kyle, Renee just uh, talked about the video that you posted on TikTok at Kyle Rice 23 that got 1.1 million views. Take us through this commute. What time do you start? What time do you get home? And, 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 and you know, what happens in between? So the commute starts uh, in Wilmington, Delaware at a 6.33 a.m. train. It's been very punctual so far, thankfully. <laughs> and it takes me through Delaware into Pennsylvania through New Jersey and then into New York City, uh, where it and where I get off at Penn Station, and then I would walk uh, through Penn Station and go to one of the New York City subway trains, the MTA, and take one of like seven or eight different routes I can pick from that bring me down to the World Trade Center, and that's about another 15-minute train ride issue uh, about, and then about a two-minute walk from the World Trade Center to my office building uh, on Liberty Street. I'm just going to go ahead and ask the obvious. Why not move or look for a job closer to home? So I left a job closer to home to take this. This is a, a very, fairly recent uh, job change. Uh, so I left a very stable position with the hospital to take on this new role uh, because I knew I could commute. And the cost of living in Delaware is so significantly less than it is oh. in New Jersey or New York that it makes it very much worth it to to have the commute uh, as as often as I am right now, which I'm going almost every day in person uh, to allow transition to more work from home where we just come into the office a few days a month. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that to save a little bit on the travel time. But the the concept of of the of the four hour ish a day commute, you know, back and forth, uh, the cost of living difference is staggering. Uh, you know, between Delaware and New York City. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So, so you left a job at a hospital, uh, and and you took this job in New York, four states away. What what line of work are you doing now? Very interesting. So, I'm a paramedic by trade, and I'm now working for a medical technology company called Muru, and we provide an app to EMS providers in the state of New York. Uh, all of the New York state, uh, state EMS providers, and along with uh, subsets of the Department of Defense. So EMS providers uh, work off a book, a protocol set. And we take that protocol set and implement it into our technology to become basically the Siri of protocols. Wow. So if you, need, if you need to know what to do with a patient or how to use a piece of equipment that is specific to your agency, to your protocols, you open our app and you type it in and it gives you a, a a natural answer, like you'd be having a conversation with another provider. Uh, this is what you do. This is exactly how much medicine you give and drop out of a vial based off of the information you gave us. So you're taking your expertise and 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 kind of doing some real cutting edge stuff, and that's that that made it worth it for you uh, on top of the cost of living to 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 take a job, you know, four states away that you commute every day. Absolutely, the the job. The challenge of it and the people I work with make it absolutely worthwhile to, to commute and travel this far. What time do you get home at night? 
if I catch the train leaving Penn Station at 5, 7.30, and that's like home on my couch changed into comfortable clothes by 7.30. So, you know, delays can happen, especially with public transportation and weather. What is the longest that your commute has ever been? Because it's already pretty significant. About two and a half hours uh, one way has the longest it's been so far. Thankfully, uh, they've done a lot of improvements to the rail systems and uh, scheduling to really limit a lot of the delays. Um, and just this morning, I was able to cut my commute down by another 30 minutes. Wow. Uh, uh, so my commute in is drastically shorter than it was uh, a couple of days ago. So, uh, you know, I, I came across your video organically. It just popped up in my For You page on TikTok. And, um, you know, underneath it, there was a caption that said super commuters. And, and it looks like, you know, they, they're, there's a lot more out there than, than you know, you originally thought. Are you noticing that you have more super commuters reaching out to you and that this is kind of a, um, I, I don't want to say uh, culture, but this is kind of a, a, a bigger thing that's going on than, than you thought before you posted it? Absolutely. Uh, I learned it from someone else. The Watching a video, again, on TikTok of a super commuter that leaves from Philadelphia to work in New York City, uh, his video is one of the reasons why I felt confident in doing this commute, uh, because I was able to see someone else document their journey of doing it from Philadelphia, which is only 30 minutes away from me. Uh, so seeing his commute really solidified that I can do the same thing. It, it, that's a very doable experience. Uh, there are a lot of people that I see at the train station every morning. They're the exact same people every day. They're, they're making a very similar commute. And my first week commuting, uh, I'm a very social person. So I, I started speaking with somebody on the train and she was commuting from Roanoke, Virginia to New York City twice a week. Oh my wow. gosh. So there, there are a lot more people making these longer commutes than most people realize. Well, Kyle, it, it was absolutely fascinating. And if you want to fo follow Kyle, I know you're doing some Q&As on your TikTok about this that, uh, you know, if people are listening and, and there's something that we didn't get to. It's at Kyle Rice 23. But it, it sounds like uh, for the time being, it's not too bad, especially uh, with the trade offs. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, that continues or, or you work something else out. But we really do appreciate you uh, coming on and, and talking to us here. I really appreciate you reaching out. Thank you. This has been a super fun ride. I'm enjoying every minute literally. of the experience of doing this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. literally. Super fun to our <laughs> ride. All right. Kyle Rice, follow him at Kyle Rice 23 It's first thing Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. The Michigan Department of Health and Human Services confirmed the first case of the measles since 2019 last week. How concerned should parents and the public be? Corwell Health Children's Chief of Pediatrics, Dr. Matthew Denenberg, talks about it with Lloyd and Jamie on JR Morning. A serious topic, though. U.S. health officials are warning clinicians to be alert for cases of measles. Following several outbreaks, there was an email Thursday from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention urging vigilance among health care providers across the U.S. following reports of nearly two dozen cases of the preventable virus. Uh, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services has confirmed the first case here of measles since 2019. Joining us now, Dr. Matthew Denenberg, Chief of Pediatrics at Corwell Health Children's in Southeast Michigan. Good morning, doctor. Good morning. So how concerned should parents be that there's this measles outbreak nationally and now there's a case here in Michigan? Well, I think, I think parents need to be concerned because measles is, as you mentioned, very preventable but very contagious. About 90% of, of 
people that are exposed to somebody with measles have have a chance of of contracting it. And I think we need to be worried because our vaccination rates are down. This case in, in Oakland County is an isolated case. It does not appear to have spread beyond the case. Um, but there have been 24 cases, uh, I'm sorry, 35 cases nationwide in 2024 already. So this is something we really need to be concerned about. Dr. Dittenberg, are the vaccination rates down? Did they start, you know, when COVID hit or were they down before COVID? How did that happen? Our vaccination rates were actually going up um, in the years before COVID. We were starting to reach levels in Michigan that were um, much better than they've been in years. And when COVID hit, it started a decline. We're starting to see them stabilize a little bit, but the vaccination rates are still down and we need to make sure kids are getting vaccinated. This is a this is almost 97% preventable. Uh, what about the situation in Florida and that, how do you contain it at one school and how was that not done there? The only way to con- the only way to contain measles to a, a local local outbreak or to a local area is is when they start seeing cases to make sure those cases are isolated. Those kids are not exposed or those those uh, uh, infected folks are not exposed to other people. Um, that's why we we tell people if, if you think your child has measles, if your child shows symptoms of measles, make sure you call your doctor or call the hospital or call the, the emergency department before you go in so that they can prepare for you to make sure that you're isolated. Now, I'm not saying if you're really sick, don't go to the ER like you normally would, but but just give people a heads up so they can prepare. So so the schools do the same thing. If they if a child has measles, they, they try and contain it to that group by isolating those kids from, you know, they, not, they send them home, they keep them home, they keep them from uh, the general public. So the follow-up is what are the symptoms of measles? Uh, like other illnesses, right? Runny nose, cough, congestion, red eyes, conjunctivitis. Um, they get tiny little spots in their mouth, which are called complex spots. That's, that's sort of the, the, the classic presentation. And then, of course, a red, raised, blotchy rash that starts in the face, goes to the trunk, spreads to the arms. That's, that's the classic rash. And usually start getting sick about 7 to 14 days after they've been exposed but you can start getting sick up to 21 days after being exposed. Doctor, was this case, did it come from here, or was it due to international travel? Well, what I understand, it was a it was a patient that came from outside of Detroit. I don't know the full details. Okay. They're outside of Oakland County. I don't know the full details. Okay. But it was not somebody from here. They had been traveling. Mm-hmm. And uh, when do you get vaccinated for measles? Uh, after your first birthday, and then and then you get with your um, um, booster uh, at two to five years. Okay. So you usually you, we we like kids to get as soon as they turn one for the part of the routine vaccinations to get measles vaccination. What, what if you're an adult and you've never had that vaccination? You need to get vaccinated. You need to get vaccinated. Okay, so you're call vaccinated your for life. You're vaccinated for life once you get it. Okay. What's tough is when you started to talk about the uh, symptoms, initially it's the same symptoms for sort of everything. So you have to really be vigilant with your kids. Yes, you have to be vigilant. And, and it's those spots in the mouth and the rash. We, we really do have a hard time diagnosing measles um, until you get the rash. And I got to tell you, as somebody who's been practicing pediatric emergency medicine for almost 30 years, our newer and younger physicians have not seen measles. And so it's even harder because, you know, they're learning it from a te- from looking at it in a textbook. Interesting. Are there any misconceptions, uh, Doc, that you deal with when it comes to measles and how it's transmitted that you deal with on a 
on a regular basis? No, it's it's spread like a lot of other viruses. It's spread in the air. It's it's spread by human to human contact. Um, it can stay in an area for up to two hours after somebody who's had measles has left the area. So one of the reasons why it's so highly contagious. Uh, talk about the safety of this vaccine. Unsure why people wouldn't get their children vaccinated. That vaccines for for measles and and other routine vaccinations are extremely safe. They've been safe for decades. Um, there is no link, uh, even though there's conversation out there in the media. There's no link to autism. There's no link to um, other illnesses. Um, that uh, there's no chance of getting the measles from the measles vaccination. It's an attenuated vaccine. Um, I will say that I will make one note that um, pregnant patients uh, should not get the vaccine. They should get the vaccine as soon as as soon as their pregnancy is over, or or obviously try and get vaccinated before you get pregnant. Just switching gears briefly. I mean, last year we were so scared for our baby to get RSV. Is that still out there, and and should we be vigilant? RSV season lasts usually through March or April. We're still seeing some. We're still seeing RSV cases. It has started to slow down um, already this season. Um, but yes, still be vigilant if your child's showing respiratory symptoms or signs of RSV and they're showing complications. You should connect with your doctor or. Um, you know, bring in the emergency if they're very sick. Yeah, I mean, some people don't have a doctor, I, I guess. And so emergency room is, is another option. If your child's having trouble breathing, um, not acting right, not eating or drinking properly, yes, absolutely. Okay, well, so one case of measles right now, but stay vigilant, get your children vaccinated, get, if you're an adult, get yourself vaccinated. That's your message, doctor? Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Dr. Matthew Denenberg, Chief of Pediatrics at Corwell Health Children's in Southeast Michigan. We appreciate you. And I'll just keep you on speed dial for my own personal use, my 17-month-old. Anytime. Anytime. (laughs) Thank you so much, doctor.